The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You said what you're feeling is juicy joy, juicy joy. Juicy joy, juicy joy. Juicy joy, juicy joy. Juicy joy, juicy joy. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You are so deserving of all the joy and juiciness you can stand. I'm Lisa McCourt of Joy School, and this is Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Let's do some joy. Happy springtime, do joy listeners. Like we've been discussing these last few weeks, this is the time of year for fresh new starts, new beginnings, or at least new takes on those things that we continue to give our valuable, precious attention to. And I felt like it was a perfect time to share the sunshine presence of my beautiful friend, Dr. Marissa Pei. Marissa and I sing together in the Agape Global Choir, the choir for Michael Beckwith's Agape Church. And as you know, we do a lot in Joy School with Michael Beckwith's valuable, valuable teachings. And I just love getting to participate in this choir and getting to befriend gorgeous souls like Marissa. Dr. Marissa is an organizational psychologist, inspirational speaker, network TV commentator on topics of grief, hope, and happiness, number one best-selling author of Eight Ways to Happiness from Wherever You Are, and celebrity host of number one NBC News Radio and iHeartRadio syndicated morning show, Take My Advice, I'm Not Using It, Get Balanced with Dr. Marissa. She has been dubbed the Asian Oprah. Thank you so much for being here with me today, beautiful friend. Thank you for inviting me, equally beautiful friend. I am delighted to be here to share and splatter more hope and happiness on your uh, joy-filled folks. Even though it does sound like from the title that I'm preaching to the choir, but since we are in a choir together, that's okay. (laughs) Nothing wrong with more preaching to this choir, right? I always say there's so much in the out there that pulls down our vibration, pulls down our energy. We just have to keep coming together week after week to to balance that out, to shoring it up. And as, yeah. As you know, I just love your energy. You're always smiling. You're always glamorous. You have that twinkle in your eye that says, I'm here for the party. And that is something that we uh, talk a lot about at Joy School. So thank you for sharing your magical ways with us. Absolutely. And I'm glad to hear that you are all familiar with my big brother, Michael Bernard Beckwith. He's actually the one who introduced me to Oprah as the Asian Oprah. So he is to blame for that. (laughs) And when he came on a guest, I think uh, every year I try to have him on when it's my anniversary. It's going on nine years coming up. And he said uh, one year at the end, he said, pretty soon they're going to be calling Oprah the Black Dr. Marissa. And I'm like, oh my God, you did not just say that. (laughs) But he did. That is fun. That sounds like him. I love it. (laughs) Amazing. So 
I know that you want everyone to be 88% happy, and that is very adorable, and I want you to tell us why that number, why 88? Good question. Uh, Why not 100%, people ask me? Why only 88%? Well, a couple reasons. If you're 100% happy, you're dead. I don't want dead people walking or talking. You have to have contrast. If you are uh, happy all the time, you don't, you're really not happy because you don't know what unhappy is. Now, there's a lot of people out there who are unhappy most of the time, and I want you to be happy most of the time. So I pick 88 because it's um, almost, you know, it's a, it is the majority, plus uh, we are not on visual today, we're just audio, but if you Google Dr. Marissa, you'll see that I'm not Swedish. I'm Chinese, and eight is a lucky number in Chinese. It's a homophone, sounds like the word for good fortune. So ba is eight, fa is good fortune. So I pick 88 so that happiness, I want, it's a double good fortune. So that's the second reason. The third reason why I pick 88 is for anyone of us who may have the quality called perfectionism. Hmm. And in my book, literally, perfectionism is the dis-ease of life. Perfectionism gives you the dis-ease with life because nothing is ever good enough so if you do 99 things and you forget to do one instead of congratulating yourself for completing 99 you're focused on the one thing that hasn't been done Uh, when you get 99 compliments and you have one insult you don't focus on the compliments you go straight to that one insult and ruminate about it. So I use 88 for the perfectionists like myself who are never going to be happy because nothing is ever done complete or well. And the the disease of perfectionism also brings us difficult relationships because we can never like people for the 88% good that they are. Instead, we're focused on the 12% shiitake that they are exhibiting. So for all those reasons, that's why it's 88% and not 100%. Those are some very good reasons. I love that. And I feel like so much of that perfectionism of the way that we all just go through life thinking that we're not enough. So much of that is about early childhood experiences. I know you talk about childhood trauma, how seven out of 10 or eight out of 10, or even as much as 90% of us, depending on which source you're referencing, have had trauma in our past that we still carry around today. I'm wondering what you might suggest as some of your best remedies for mitigating the effects of that trauma that that most of us are carrying. Well, at the risk of being self-serving i want you to pick up my book eight ways to happiness from wherever you are because it's a book that is a guide for anyone who has gone through childhood trauma like myself the forward is by michael bernard beckwith and i was very grateful to get a back cover endorsement from neil donald walsh best-selling author of uh, conversations with god so the, the you know um we have abdicated our happiness whether or not you've had childhood trauma to others you make me mad you make me sad if you hadn't done that i wouldn't be feeling this way if you said this if you hadn't said this so from a a young age whether or not you've been hurt, we forget that we really are the boss of me. We really have the power to focus 
Abrahamers will recognize these words, we have the ability to focus on areas that make us feel better instead of worse. But because we play this blame game, we've been modeled this blame game, we've been taught and conditioned to this blame game by people who don't know any better, our parents who were raised the same way, our teachers who are caught in a system that doesn't recognize good enough, they recognize only the best, we're caught up in a system where if we are the majority who've had the trauma and grow up with uh, voices uh, and, and uh, a crowd or one person who tells you, as in my case, you're fat, you're ugly, you're clumsy, you're not good enough, you shouldn't say anything, you should do this, you should, and we should all over ourselves uh, as a habit then that voice just grows bigger with the habit of collecting what's wrong with me. And so we get to midlife opportunity, as I call it, instead of midlife crisis. And many of us have two primary strategies. On the very left, it is you can't change the past so I'm not going to think about it and it doesn't do any good to think about it. So pull yourself by, up by the bootstraps and just move on. But you know, we all know that what you do not deal with will come back and deal with you. It's kind of like garbage. If you press down garbage, it turns into liquid. If you press down liquid, it'll turn into gas. So many of us, after a certain time of repressing or pushing down or ignoring, will suddenly find ourselves walking down the hallway. And I, ex I do executive coaching, which is where this uh, example comes from. I've got leaders who do really well for three decades and are high performing executives, make a billion, millions of dollars. And then at some point, it breaks down and people will see them or smell their gas and jump into the bathroom to avoid talking to them. Or we'll have, I, I, I get to work with executives as an organizational psychologist who will say things like, I am not angry. <laughs> or I'll have, uh, uh, you know, women executives who wake up one morning and all of a sudden are crying all the time, do not know why or what. Those are all symptoms of gas that we leak out because we haven't dealt with pain from our past. And one of the best examples I can give is the saddest example. I was a, a facilitator trainer for the T groups at UCLA through their uh, school of management. And I had a, a, a man uh, going through midlife opportunity who very successful in his field, high performance, um, began leaking gas. And it was because at the age of nine, he walked into his father's study where his father blew his brains out. And that trauma was bad enough, but he was never allowed to talk about it. The entire, for 30 years or 40 years, it was 40 years, 40 years he was not allowed to talk about it with his family, with anyone. So he, he, he pressed a garbage disposal back and the gas that came out was this monster of a person who was so unlike what he had uh, uh, been. And so I was called in to, to help him with that. So that's one extreme. That's the not dealing with it, kind of come back and kick your assets, literally. The other way is dealing with it ad nauseum. So you go into, you know, and I, I apologize, I'm not knocking therapists, kind of am, or psychologists who uh, don't let their people go. So they're, they, you're in therapy for 10 years or more, rehashing the same thing over and over. Or you may not even need a therapist to help you hash it out. I myself you know, used to, I was a very happy social drinker. I was the life of the party until I wasn't. 
And then at the end of the um, the drinking, I would go into this, you know, blame, shame, you know, if I hadn't have been told I was fat, ugly, and clumsy, if I had not been kicked under the, if I had, and everything was not my fault. Mm. So that, that is the other extreme of not dealing with past pain so that you don't have a choice you're gonna be unhappy because Mm. if you do not come to that place of i call it i i promise you only have to do this one more time but we gotta do it in absolute full 100 percent clean out and that clean out mode I just finished an interview. I hope I haven't told this one to you already. But did I talk about the hole in front of us yet? No, I I love midlife opportunity. I love the gas metaphor and this spectrum that you've created. I'm so anxious to see what's in the middle of the spectrum. So tell us about the hole. Yes, the hole is um, we, many of us are afraid to go in there because we're, we're, we think we'll be like Humpty Dumpty and break into a million pieces and nobody will be able to put us back together again. This is usually the feeling, the reticence of why we don't want to address past pain or why we, why we um, you know, stay in it because it's just comfortable living in that hole. So there's your two extremes. I believe my my uh, my bs my belief system that i have expressed in the book and my coaching when i do uh um, happiness coaching is it's so important to go into that hole that you're afraid to go in and i promise i will hold your hand and hold a flashlight and together we go down there there's exercises in the book that help you do this uh, and I also do the coaching with you if, if you want more personal help. But what we do is we go into that hole and we dig down and find out that you're not going to fall for it. You will fall. It won't feel comfortable. You're not going to like it. But there's a bottom to that. The pain, it is not going to kill you. What happened to you in the past is not going to kill you remembering it. At the same time, if you keep remembering it, it's going to keep you unhappy. So the balance in there is we go down, find there's a bottom, uh, through all the shiitake, we scoop out the shiitake and we dig it out and dig through and all the layers of that one last time. And we find the seed, the beautiful, wonderful, one-of-a-kind, wonderful seed that is you buried under all of that shiitake. (laughs) And we take that seed and we polish it off and we look at it and we begin the loving yourself journey where we don't continue to look for outside validation. We do not tie our own happiness to the antenna that many of us go out and social media makes it worse, where we go, who likes me? How many likes do I have, literally? Uh, Who's commenting nice things? Who's appraising me? Who's telling me I'm great? And it's this constant, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. Instead, we look at ourselves and find out that we're 88% fabulous. (laughs) We're not a piece of shiitake, which is the theme song that hurt, damaged, um, uh, 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 childhood trauma people carry around, that we are uh, a piece of shiitake, and we're not. And then... Oh, some of us, in an effort to feel better, think we're better than everybody. And we go to the other extreme of hot shiitake. Piece of shiitake, hot shiitake, piece of shiitake. It's a horrible, exhausting swing of unhappiness. So what we begin to realize through this process, which I call the happy 88 process, finding out that you're 88% fabulous. You're 12%, eh, 
you say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing, you do things that you're not proud of, you do things that you might be a little ashamed of, but most of the time, 80% of the time, you are one of a kind, wonderful, wrapped in a warm blanket of worthiness, loved, loving, and lovable. And when we remember that, then we can climb out and look at this pile of shiitake and put it back as fertilizer. <laughs> so the fertilizer helps you understand that it's not what happened to you, it's what happened for you. And this is why Michael Bernard Beckwith is my big brother, because he could see into me my seed that I couldn't see. And I came to him in 19, uh, sorry, 2009, just this broken pile of, you know, outside I looked good, but inside there was nothing that I could do or say or accomplish that would get me off of the swing of piece of shiitake most of the time with a every once in a while shiitake. And when he broke down, what had happened to me as a child and then subsequently what happened to me as an adult because here's the other thing that happens most people that are in that category of um, uh, having childhood trauma have a tendency to select partners who will bring us to that same place of feeling unworthy in your primary adult relationship, and I was no exception, I picked a man who would tell people that I was obese behind my back and I was half the size I am now. You oh, can't honey. see me if you Google the pictures. No, she's gorgeous. Know, I, she's hot as can be. <laughs> so, so that's not surprising, right? I picked a man who would bring me to a comfortable place of feeling fat, ugly, and clumsy, which were the messages that I got. And I'll finish with this last story. I apologize. I'm not giving you a chance to interject. You're fine. This, I'm, I'm on the hot seat, so I get to talk. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> when I do my show, I have to shut myself up. But uh, so, so I'm, I'm taking advantage of this uh, reverse hot seat. So thank you, Lisa. So, so what happened was... And you may later on be asking me this question, so I'll answer, you know, what happened that you understood or realized that you were unhappy and that it was time to make a change? And this is exactly what happened. I came home from a business trip. I walked in the room where he was watching TV and he didn't, I was gone maybe a week that time and he didn't even look up. He didn't even look up to acknowledge that what I've been gone a working week, mind you. Now, this is the man who I would constantly ask, do you love me? Do you? I asked him six times, five times unsuccessfully separating. When he didn't say, yes, I love you. I want to stay married. What did I do as a hurt, unworthy child? I, I took it as a good sign. Well, he didn't say no. <laughs> he didn't say yes, but he didn't say no. So I stayed in this relationship until the moment when I didn't get an acknowledgement. I stomped up the stairs into the bedroom and I dove under the covers and I was crying my normal song. How could he? Why doesn't he pay attention? Why doesn't he validate me? Why doesn't he touch me? Why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't he uh, 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 say that I'm funny or wonderful or any of these things? Why, 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 why? It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. And that particular afternoon, my source, God, Universe, I actually call him my UPS man, my universal power source who <laughs> delivers every morning when I pray and meditate. The clouds opened, the voice came down from the heavens, 
and it said, Darling, do you listen to yourself? Do you appreciate yourself? Do you value yourself? Do you think you're funny? Do you like your body? Do you want to touch yourself or see yourself as attractive? And I was completely silenced. And I began to break out of this self-imposed blaming, shaming, it's not my fault, it's all yours, how could you trap of, an, of, of, a, of a fugue, <laughs> of a symphony, a, a very discordant symphony of my life. And I got to that point of, oh my God, literally, this is nothing to do with everyone else. This is all to do with who I am, at the core of who I am, and that I am not uh, going to be able to move to a desert island by myself and say, fork all of you, I don't need you. <laughs> that there was, there was a, a real um, beginning of realizing that, you know, it, I'm not even this, this thing in my body, that there's got to be, my, my purpose in living is to be alive. And that life is so much more than trying to make him happy trying to make my mother happy, trying to make everyone else approve of me, that there was this glorious thing called Life with a capital L, and that began my uh, discovery process of finding me and just realizing. Now, I didn't, I didn't find Agape right after that. It was a, it was a process. Um, and it was many years later, actually, but that was the first moment when I knew, you know, whatever I'm doing is not working and that I don't need to stay in this relationship. So I actually went to a 12-step program called Codependence Anonymous, which I highly recommend. Um, I became friends with Melody Beattie, who's the best-selling author of Codependent No More, which is a mm -hmm. great uh, support. If you grew up trying to please everybody all the time and you're still trying to please everybody all the time codependent no more is a, a fabulous book um i know it you're is. probably going to ask me what the books are that i use so i'm answering that now <laughs> <laughs> and uh, don miguel who has had the pleasure of, of interviewing and being a friend of mine as well the four agreements that's another one that i highly suggest and then if you really want to zoom away um then um spiritual liberation which is my big brother's book there's a forgiveness mm -hmm. exercise in there that I use uh, with his permission in my book, as well as um, this thing called You, Ernest Holmes. I've read every single day for the past 13 years, two pages every day. And it was actually raised to me, not just by Michael, but by uh, Mama Byers, who's now on the other side in heaven, uh, Ricky's mom, who, who was just, uh, you know, there's people in your life who see you as you truly are in the glorious imperfected perfection that you are and i'm so grateful that uh, uh reverend michael my big brother was the first to really see me that way that gave me the strength he saw all this number one best-selling book that was never on my you know wasn't in my vision board uh, uh, number one award-winning and uh, NBC News radio syndicated show for almost nine years. Never saw that one coming. All of these things became a reality because I stopped blaming other people, number one. I stopped um, uh, believing that message that I was blaming people for. And, and, I, and I tell all my 
my clients, my listeners, my everybody I can. If you had childhood trauma, there is nothing that you did that deserved that. There was nothing that you are to take responsibility for. It was not a fun or good or right or uh, um, deserved thing that happened to you if you were molested, if you were beaten, if you were abandoned. That is not your fault. It never was your fault. Never, 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 never. Absolutely. And here's the other shoe, though. (laughs) And it is also your responsibility to not drag it into your present and splatter it into your future as your reason not to claim your birthright to happiness. And that, my friends, is why I'm on a Happy 88 mission. 88 million more happy people in the next eight years because too many of us take all of that. It's the majority, as you said, the statistics, seven out of 10 of us. That's the, that's my honorable Monica Oprah says eight out of 10. Psychologists today say 94% of us are in that boat. So no wonder one out of four before the pandemic I call it hashtag BC19, the time before COVID. One out of four Americans were on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. That's a lot of people who are unhappy. Now that it's pandemic, I'm sure it's up to two out of four, okay? Mm. And then the other half of us who are not on it are either addicted to something else or believing the American dream that if we had fame and fortune and money and glory that we would be happy and i'm sorry no thanks to the very unfortunate passing of kate spade robin williams anthony bourdain i don't need to name the myriad of other people who had the american dream who had the money who had the notor- uh, the fame who had all of that and they still were not happy. I absolutely hope that you hear this ch word. <laughs> it's not the C word. <laughs> it's the ch word. What's the ch you word? Ch. You have the ch- choice. Okay. You. Only you have the choice to choose to claim your birthright to happiness, to choose to see that all that shiitake that happened to you happened for you, not to you. But you have to make that choice. Yes, the pandemic happened. Yes, it sucked. Yes, we lost. And happened to everybody. And you have the choice now to focus on what you do have, the skills you do have, the the unique talent, gift, and abilities you do have to take you into PPP, post-pandemic possibilities. (laughs) Yes. A free... My new short film, when I lost all of my motivational speaking gigs, I felt sorry for myself for 16 seconds. I have a discipline where anytime any bad thing happens to me, I put a timer on for 16 seconds, I jump up and down, I growl, I bite my pillow, I smack things where a nice big sound, as long as I don't hurt myself. And then at the end of the 16 seconds, I say, I can't wait to see what good comes out of this. And when I say that, 
the most extraordinary things begin to happen. Like I lost a $200,000 consulting project. And I went, <laughs> and then after I said, I can't wait to see what comes out of this, the voice said, write. I said, I don't have time to write. And the voice said, you do now. It's got a sense of humor. It has a little Southern drawl I noticed earlier, too, in your voice. (laughs) I sat down and wrote for one whole week. Chapter one, Out of Loneliness and the Hope. Chapter eight, Out of Control into Happiness. Sunday night, I finished. Monday morning, I get an email out of the blue. We follow motivational speakers on LinkedIn. Are you writing anything? Are you fucking kidding me? I send them the two chapters. West Coast, uh, what, uh, it was a West Coast publisher, very famous publisher. And uh, they sent me a contract the following day. I didn't go with them. I ended up going with Morgan James because they're East Coast and more traditional publishing. And they have this wonderful um, part proceeds go to Habitat for Humanity. So that's why I signed with them. But the book goes number one, Amazon, number four, Denver Post, eight bestseller lists. I have four book medals because of it. It is helping, most importantly, so many people claim their birthright to happiness because of the exercises that I promise if you do all the exercises in the book, you will never hate yourself the same way again. That's why I was hurt. That was why I I am one of the seven out of 10 because I know how it feels and I know you do not have to suffer for the rest of your life. Pain in life is mandatory. Suffering is optional. Hallelujah, that's it. I rest my case. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can take a breath. You made quite a case. There was so much there. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Marissa. Unleashed there all of her life story. I really do appreciate you being so vulnerable with that because I know those details mean a lot to listeners. And so many of us who do this kind of work, we are working it out for ourselves. That's why we're here. And it's once you've tapped into those tools, once you understand how you really can absolutely change your vibration and change the circumstances of your life by changing what's inside, it just becomes like there's nothing else you can possibly do with your time, right? I I know I I feel that in you, that this is just something that once you've kind of peeked behind the curtain and you see what's possible, you just want that for everyone in such a whole and beautiful way. And I feel that in your heart. There were so many things I wanted to go back and address. Uh, One of them in your story that... uh, family of origin issues you know those of us who have done so 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 much healing will often find that when one of those family of origin situations comes up it just you know dissolves you right back to that place of powerlessness and um i know that our healing or i assume that you would agree that our healing needs to be done independently but i know that you attribute a lot of your trauma to your mom and i wondered if that's a relationship that you were able to heal as well i know it's perfect either way whether we do the healing with those that the really we feel inflicted the harm or without but i just uh, I'm, I'm curious about that there's something that we're looking at a lot now in my my joy school is you know it, it takes two people to want to heal a relationship and i just wondered um how that sure. had gone for you if it's not one thing it's your mother <laughs> and there's only two times in your life you do not have mother issues when you're born and when you don't I think the mother-daughter relationship is definitely one of the most tricky to navigate. Um, And I will go back to some of my tools. One is, if you're triggered, I'm sorry, you're human. You know, it is, of course, you're going to be triggered. She's your primary, she was your role model, you have her DNA. You know, I have a lot of clients who say, I don't know what I want to be, I just know I do not want to be my mother. And that sets you up for failure every time because of course you're going to be like her. So the first thing is, 
Um, I, I love this tool that I have in the book from Edwin Gaines. And her, <laughs> she says, your mother's only job is to pop you out. Anything else that's good after that is just gravy. <laughs> so when we manage our expectations around our mothers and our parents, they do the very best that they can. And if they could do better, they would. If they can't, they can't. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24 through 26, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. And I do not, one, go to the tractor for milk. Yeah. A tractor does not give milk. Okay. I don't poke the animal. I am not going to tell my mother that I have lost weight because that's, she'll go at it, you know, and well, you shouldn't have gained in the first place and blah, blah, blah. I told you eating, blah, blah, blah. So, <clears throat> That's some advice for people who are constantly trying to make that relationship better. Now, does that mean you completely abandon the relationship? And, and this is, uh, I'm glad you asked that question. I, I don't think I've ever talked about this uh, publicly. When I first uh, woke up to me and uh, realized that I was the boss of me and the healing of my relationship, with myself outside of my mom. I <clears throat> was told, <clears throat> excuse me, I was told by someone quite big, not my brother, that I had every right based on the level of pain and hurt, uh, physical, emotional, that I got, that I had every right to distance myself from her and that I should not let her be part of my children's life because of the potential harm that she could do that. Now, I'm so glad I did not take their advice. What I did was something my big brother taught me and he continues to teach me because he has this capacity to really love no We're talking matter. about Michael Bernard Beckwith, just in case yes. you lost track of who oh, Marissa's big brother is. <laughs> he can love like like almost everybody. I mean, it's just like the Dalai Lama. I'm not so good. I <laughs> I have definite people where I'm I'm like really like uh, if I look like you, I'd be miserable too. <laughs> And I just don't, and, and, or I'll say, God, please love through me because there's no <laughs> way in hell over that I am going to be able to love that. So um, what I do do, though, is uh, I, I, I continued the relationship and I would, I would do things like this, where before I would be on the phone with her. And she would start her rant and she would begin to, um, you know, say everything that she usually says. You're fat, you're ugly, you're clumsy, you should know better, blah, 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 blah. And I would, instead of being silent and let her finish, I would say, I have the choice. I would say, mom, love you, but I got to go. There's someone at the door. Mom, I love you. I have a meeting to go to. Mom, I love you. I, you know, and that began to, that's loving me and loving her, right? So, and then I would hang out. And for a while, she actually got it, the connection of what she was saying, you know, with, with, uh, with my exit. So, so that's one thing. But if we can love people, and this is another Abraham 
if you want to try to change somebody, if you're trying to change someone, you're, you're starting at like negative. You're, you're just, it's not going to work. No. Uh, Don Miguel, Don Miguel, you, you know, in the mastery of love, which is another really good book, everybody is the main actor in their own play. Everybody thinks everyone else is their supporting actors in your play. They're not. They get their own play. They're mm -hmm. the main actor. It is not their job to make you feel good. If you've got a button, it's your job to get your button moved. But if you get your button pushed, it's not about getting your button removed fully. It is going, oh, ow. Dang, I yeast, I don't like that. And instead of saying, fork you, or, you know, read between the lines of my fingers, <laughs> it is taking that breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. It's not my problem. It's not my problem. Who cares? This is not a relationship that I will ever get to look the way I want it to. I need to be responsible for my relationship with myself, source first. It, you know, people get mixed up on this, especially women. We do God, others, self. It is not. It's God, self, others. Or if you have a problem with the word God, it's source or however, Buddha, Krishna, whatever you want to call. It is always the higher ourselves because it comes through us, then to the relationships around us. If you don't feel like talking to your mom, don't pick up the forking phone. If you don't feel good about what was just said, you can say, that didn't feel good. Let me go and center myself to a better place before I keep talking to you. Beautiful e advice. Easy. Easy. So anyways, to finish that story, I did end up continuing the relationship, taking my, owning my side of the street. And five years ago, she actually apologized for beating me. Now, I never in a million years, I tried to make her apologize, trust me. But she did it. She would get even angrier, blah, blah, blah. So five years ago, when I was there for Christmas, she has Parkinson's. She's had it for 12 years. She's way older than she uh, uh, should have been. But all of her internal anger turned into uh, sickness. And uh, my father died of lymphoma. I believe Louise Hayes' work, you know, his not talking about all of the things, he, he internalized it and he died early. Um, but he's in a great place with Jerry Hicks and <laughs> I, and Mama Byers, and I um, got to receive that. Now, since then, she's taken it back, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's okay. I had that moment that I remember. And I just fell into it again. Um, this Since COVID, I started calling her every single day because I felt bad. And then she's getting worse, and the worse she gets, the more reverting back to the way she was. So I was talking to my daughter, my oldest daughter, and, um, you know, complaining about the things that she was saying. And my daughter said, and why are you calling her every day? And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> so my only job is to do better than my parents did. So your only job is to do better than it is not to fix the relationship. Your only job is to do better, right? For if sure. you can't, um, but I do believe that cutting people out of your lives does not remedy the situation because you just, you know, it is truly being able to discipline yourself to a place so that you soothe yourself. Soothing yourself is a muscle that we never learned in school, that we couldn't learn from our primary role models, role models, but we are so blessed. 
with the plethora of global thought leaders, and I got a huge compliment the other day that I'm in that next generation of them, uh, that, that we can learn from to take responsibility for our own uh, choices. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a, a choice. And I love this new vocabulary that we have. I'm going to have to put together a little dictionary to get all our, our Dr. Marissa phraseology set for us. And you've been so generous with with sharing your story. And thank you for answering that question. I, there's one thing that we need to do. We need to give the listeners a practice that they can take into their lives this week, something to carry in their hearts and pay attention to, or an activity. I have an idea based on something that I had seen that you had done where you had suggested a 21-day fast from complaining. The listeners would only have to hold out for seven days. You could talk about that if you'd like, or I wonder if something else comes to mind for you that you'd like to assign the listeners to pay attention to this week so you can always join me every morning at 8 a.m pacific time on my show because i start the show every morning with taking a bite of my gratitude sandwich that's the practice i promise if you start your day plug this guy in another room so that you're not starting she's holding up her phone y'all Plug yes. this guy is your phone. I'm forgetting this is not. Uh, yeah, if you if you don't scroll first thing in the morning, and instead sit up and Dr. Wayne Dyer, beloved, who's also on the other side, said five gratitudes every morning. I'm an overachiever, and I have the eight thing going. So eight specific <laughs> things that you are grateful for. You can't use friends and family too general. I'm grateful for the hot shower I had this morning. I'm grateful for the yummy coffee I had. I'm grateful for, I've lost 15 pounds now because I bike in the morning. I'm grateful that I um, uh, have a pool in my building. I'm grateful that I have two beautiful inside and out girls who are loving, lovable, and loved. That's five. I'm grateful that I have a platform of the show to regularly, um, nag people into happiness. Uh, uh-huh. I'm grateful that I get to uh, come out of retirement as a lounge lizard singing in piano bars to be part of the choir. I'm grateful that I met Lisa at the choir so that uh, we could uh, have this interview. So that's eight specific things. Now, at the end of the night, this is the hard one. Instead of falling asleep thinking about all the things we didn't do, all the things we forgot to do, all the things that didn't get done, all the times we got interrupted, the insults that person had the nerve to give me, how dare they, no wonder we can't sleep. So instead, you do eight specific things that you appreciate about yourself. I'm grateful that I'm creative. I'm grateful. I sorry. I appreciate that I'm grateful. I'm pretty. I yeah. I appreciate that I know how to be grateful. I yeah. appreciate that I'm creative. I, I appreciate that I do not follow my Chinese uh, background that says the nail that stands up is hammered down, and I've lost the shame of opening my mouth. I'm. I am uh, uh, appreciative that I'm funny. My husband told me every day that I was not funny, and I believed him. And I kept trying to prove it to him. The best thing about divorce is I own my funny. That's four. Five, I appreciate that I love to laugh. Laughter is my favorite sound in the world. Uh, Six, I appreciate that anytime I do not feel good, I just have to talk on someone else's show and I feel better. I appreciate, number seven, that I know how to have fun. Um, I appreciate a that I also understand the importance of inspired action. That when we are aligned with the power that creates the world through meditation, through I do a, a moving meditation. If you're in Southern California, I'm starting the, the class again up on the beach. Uh, go to drmarissa.life to find out all the ways in which you, there's free things you can get there so that you have resources for everybody from Lisa's show, you know, all the ways in which we can improve our ability to choose happiness. I, I am so appreciative that this is 
my God-given purpose for my life and that I am doing it well 88% of the time. <laughs> yes, you are. I'd say maybe even a few points above 88, but I know 88 is the goal. I get it. I know where you're coming from there. Just tell everybody exactly what you most want them to know in terms of how to follow you, how to keep up with you from here. You've mentioned a lot of different things. I want to make sure that the listeners know how to keep up with you. Thank you. So, um, DrMarissa.life is my virtual home. So if you can't remember that, just Google Dr. Marissa. Google loves me. I'm like first thing that shows up under the medical doctors. And then um, the show's every day. So I now stream out of my YouTube channel and Facebook. So you can choose either one of those. I'm on an AFM FM channel that you may or may not get. But for sure, if you go to my YouTube channel and free subscribe, You'll be able to every weekday morning at 8 a.m. be able to hook into my show. You can chat with me, all of that good stuff. You will also get the red carpet playlist, interviews with Michael Bernard Beckwith, Don Miguel Ruiz, Halle Berry, John Travolta. Um, if you're into Tiger King, I just uh, interviewed Carol Baskin. Don't tell anybody. Um, I'm on all the socials, Doc Balance on Instagram, Dr. Marissa everywhere else, even on TikTok, but don't tell my daughters. Um, <laughs> let's see. You can get free happy tips at drmarissa.life. Uh, you can uh, sign up for my free once a month orientation. And there I take you through, you know, group coaching possibilities, um, private coaching possibilities. It's if you want to invest in your happiness, I'm here for you. But uh, there's a plenty wide range for you to do that. And then the fast, 21 day fast from complaining, you can register online. I have a nonprofit that Lisa was so kind to donate to Eight Ways to Happiness. It helps kids, teens, and young adults who have temporarily forgotten their birthright to happiness. So if you donate $21, you're registered in the fast. And if you manage 21 consecutive days without complaining, I double your money and give it back. And if you mess up, you're donating to a good cause. But it is really a wonderful exercise. I started it in 2011. Uh, again, Edwin Gaines said, if you can not complain for 21 consecutive days, you will reach spiritual transcendence. So, uh, you know, I'm all about a challenge. So that's for you as well. well that's so a YouTube channel, Dr. Life, social. Perfect. Those are a couple of home play options this week. I hope you all were buckled up for that wild ride through Dr. Marissa's mind and past and thoughts and beautiful wisdom that she shared. I know we've talked about a lot of these things before, but every time we get to hear it through a new lens, it just settles into our consciousness that much more solidly, that much more kerklunked. And that's the tremendous value of coming together week after week for these conversations because there is so much out there that pulls us away from these truths. It's up to us to deliberately put this awareness into our lives each week through beautiful wisdom sharers like Dr. Marissa. So be well, my lovely listeners. You have your home play. I will see you next week. Joy comes in many flavors, but they all start with you being full on glorious you. If you'd like some personal love and support along your joy journey, Find me at lisamccourt.com. And as you do your joy this week, remember that you elevating your vibration elevates the vibration of everyone around you and ultimately elevates the vibration of all humanity. Thank you for being a valued member of the team that's bringing more love and joy into the world. We need you. I'll see you next week for Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Much love.
I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.